morning to all here in Sanctuary this morning, as well as those that are listening on T102 or watching on Facebook Live. What a wonderful morning it is to be here. A few announcements before we get started with our worship this morning. First of all, thank you, Reagan and Sharon, for the prelude. The Easter lilies on the steps are available to take home today after the worship. If you'd like to have one, please feel free to take one to enjoy. And there will be a congregational meeting on May 15th following the morning worship for a discussion and a vote on the proposed Constitution and bylaws. There's more information in your bulletin and copies of the proposed document are at the info center at the back of the sanctuary. And now, if you would, those who are able, please stand and join me in the call to worship this morning. Our call to worship this morning is taken from Psalm 119 and Jeremiah 31. How beautiful is the word of the Lord. How wise are God's commandments. Through the Lord's precepts, we gain understanding. Through God's wisdom, we find truth. The Lord is our God. We are God's people. God's word lives with us, for it is written on our hearts. Living word, great teacher, lead us and guide us. Amen. And now we will continue to stand and sing praise song promises.
Now we'd like to invite all the children to come down for children's chat. And while they're doing that, let's shake a hand. Good morning. How are you guys today? Good. Good. All right. So, hold on. I'm, I'm struggling here. I'm having technical malfunctions. All right. So, today, I brought a friend with me. Okay? We are talking about the armor of God. What is armor? Does anybody know who wears armor? God. He gives us armor to wear, but it's kind of like invisible armor. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Armor is what soldiers back in the day used to wear. Remember when David went to fight Goliath and the king wanted to give him some armor to wear? It was too big and heavy, exactly. So he didn't want to wear it anymore. But in the book of Ephesians, it tells us how we can put on armor every day. But nobody can see this armor. So we're going to talk about that today because, you see, there's this this evil Satan out there, the devil, who wants us to mess up and to sin. But if we put on our armor... Every morning when we wake up, it's going to help us to make sure that we can keep that devil away. All right. So the first thing that we want to put on is the belt of truth. Herschel, can I have my belt of truth? Thank you. We're going to put it on right here. And this is the first thing we always want to put on is the belt of truth. Because we need to remember the true things about God. Okay, and we can learn about those true things about God through reading the Bible and listening to stories and music. Okay, next we have the breastplate of righteousness. Who did I give the breastplate? Nope, Grant's got the shield. Luke has the breastplate. I have the shield. What is righteousness? Anybody know? Well, a shield, you wear a shield to protect your heart and your body, right? And the breastplate of righteousness helps us protect our heart by confessing any sin that we have and telling God that we're sorry when we mess up. Okay, girls, can you put the feet of the sandals of peace on, please? Good job. All right. The sandals of peace. 
we need to protect our feet wherever we go and our feet with no shoes we need to have some type of foot covering on otherwise our feet get hurt well, I, Just, had, I had to have one on yesterday because i had to cut my foot oh my goodness okay so we need sandals of peace so that when we go places we can be at peace with other people and we need to remember that if someone is doing or saying something that we don't like, we need to remember that we, we need to be peaceful. We don't need to fight with them, and we need to forgive people when they hurt us. All right. Grant, can you put that shield right there? The shield of faith. Okay. What, what would you use a real shield for? If you're playing Nerf guns and you had a shield, why would you have that shield there? So your brother doesn't shoot you in the stomach. That is exactly it. Okay, I know. I heard the school is providing an t- opportunity for the ki- boys and the moms to have a Nerf gun war. So, if someone throws a snowball at you, you could lift that shield and it would hit the shield instead of you. Well, the shield can do the same thing for each one of us. When we put it on, we can or hold on to it. We can put that shield up. And if somebody is saying or doing mean things to us, we just put that shield up and it bounces off and it goes right back at them. Okay. All right. Who has the helmet of salvation? Kaysen, can you put that helmet on? Good job. The helmet of salvation. We need something to protect our mind, don't we? To protect our brain. Yeah, sometimes we need to remember that we're God's children and he loves us. And he is always here to help us. Okay? All right. How about the sword of the spirit? Can you put that over there, Andrew? Excellent. The sword of the spirit. That's God's word. Where do we find God's word? Church. Church. Where else can we find God's word? Can we find it in the Bible? Yeah, in the Bible. Yeah. All right. So the sword of the spirit is remembering God's word and what it tells us. Now, do you know what holds all of this armor together prayer prayer is the one that we don't have a visual for but it's probably the most important okay because nothing is too big or too small for god we can always remember to go to god when we have a question or a concern or something good happens god likes to hear a thank you too Just like we like to be told thank you when we do good things, God likes that too. So, we have the armor of God. Can we see God's armor? No. When should we put it on? Every morning you think about putting on God's armor. So that when things come at you, you can deflect them and push them away. And you always remember... You have your sandals of peace that we're going to get along with everybody. Okay. 
And we can always pray because God is always with us wherever we go. All right, let's say a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these children and their eager minds to learn. Help us to remember to put on our armor each day and take you with us wherever we go because you're only a half a second away. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week, guys. Thank you, Maria. Um, our offering this morning, it goes to, to our Sunday school ministry, which is a favorite here at First Church. Our Sunday school is growing. We have seen a lot of new faces this year. And so this morning, the offering that's collected is going to go towards that ministry and all that God is doing there. So I'm going to invite the deacons to come forward and the choir is going to um, sing some music for us.
I'd like you to remain standing for our hymn, number 213, Because He Lives. Father, 
We just thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this beautiful weekend that we have, Lord, and the chance to be outside in your creation, Lord, and to praise you for that. God, we thank you for bringing us together this morning to praise your name. And we thank you for the Easter morning that we had last week, Lord. It was amazing just to be together and to celebrate your sons. Just like the hymn says, because he lives, we can face tomorrow. We can face anything that comes our way because he lives and because of the hope that we have in you. Lord, we lift up those on our cares and concerns list this morning, and I pray that you would give hope where hope is needed, healing where healing is needed, and that you would give each one your comfort and your guidance as they walk through the things they're facing. God, we also pray for our Sunday school ministry this morning. I thank you for the work that you are doing in the hearts and the minds of our kids, Lord, that you are raising up a generation of kids to know your name and to live out their faith. God, I pray that you would continue to grow their relationship with you. And I thank you for our teachers and the way that they show your love to our kids every single week. Sunday school would not be possible without them. And I just thank you for them and the love that they pour out. Lord, I pray this morning that as we talk about truth, as we talk about the armor of God, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are fully open to your word. Lord, I pray that your spirit would just descend on this place, that you would, um, that you would convict us, that you would uh, transform our hearts and our minds in your truth and in your word this morning. And Lord, we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Invite Maria up for a scripture reading. Our scripture this re- this morning comes from Ephesians chapter six, verses ten through eighteen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and, bro- flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, which you can can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Let's pray. 
Father God, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for the chance to dig into your word, Lord, and to learn about you and to learn about your truth and what it means for us. God, I pray that um, as we dig into the belt of truth that you would give me words to speak, that you would be um, made known through me, Lord, and I pray that you would just use me in whatever way you want to. We love you and we thank you for this time together. Amen. So today, we're going to pick up where we left off, left off in our Armor of God series that I started back in January. Now, I realize it's been a little while, so I thought it might be good to do just a quick little recap of where we were when we first started this series. So, um, as Christ followers, all of us are in a battle, right? And that battle is what Scripture refers to as spiritual warfare. Now, spiritual warfare is the fight against Satan and his evil schemes, So if you remember, God and Satan are at war over us in the spiritual realm. And Satan, our enemy, is doing everything in his power to separate us from God. And God and his army of angels are fighting for us. Now this battle has been going on from the beginning of time, and it will continue to go on until Christ's return. But God uses us in the meantime. He uses us, his people, his church, his body of believers to fight in the battle and to enforce Christ's victory over the evil forces. Now remember, this battle is different than the other physical battles we see going on around us. It's not against people, but it's, an, it's against an array of spiritual forces in the spiritual realm. And those forces are seeking to take believers down and to thwart the plans of God at any, any opportunity that they can. And we can't see this battle going on in the spiritual realm, but it has very real effects on our world, on our churches, and in our personal lives. And so in order to fight well, we need spiritual weapons, and we need spiritual resources, and God has made those readily available to us. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So this passage in 2 Corinthians tells us that God has provided everything we need for the fight and the battle. He has given us his strength and his armor, and we need both of those things in order to effectively wage war against Satan. So Paul in Ephesians 6 verse 10 says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So Paul is saying before we can even think about picking up and putting on any of the pieces of the armor, we have to first be strong in the Lord. We have to learn how to trust and depend fully on him and not ourselves. Because in the battle, if we try to depend on ourselves and our own strength, we will fail before we even get started. And so the best way to strengthen ourselves is to root ourselves in relationship with the Lord And then to live out of that relationship by stepping out in faith and in trust over and over again. And this is exactly what Joshua did when he led the Israelites into the promised land in Joshua 3. God told Joshua that he was about to bring his people into the land. But in order to enter the land, they had to cross the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River is pretty big. It's very wide and it's very deep. And Israel would have crossed at probably the widest and the deepest part. So God told them that I need you to cross this river. And oh, by the way, it's going to be at flood level. 
the waters are going to be flood level levels for the water. And so um, God said that the waters will stop when you, and you will cross on dry ground, but you have to be willing to step into the raging river first. And scripture says, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark of the Jordan, uh, the, the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. The priest who carried the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. See, God does, always does what he says he's going to do, right? He is a truthful and honest God, and he promised his people that he would lead them into this land, and he had prepared them, and he had equipped them to do so, and he had given them everything that they needed. They were essentially armored up, right? But the men that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant had to step into the water first. And when they put their trust in God, and then they stepped into the water, they were able to stand in his victory. And now, God might not have us stepping into a raging river, but going into battle against Satan and his demons and going up against those things can kind of feel like a Jordan River level task. You know, it can feel very daunting, but we don't need to be afraid because God promises to go with us and to fight for us. He gives us his strength and he promises to be our armor in the battle. And God's given us everything that we need in order to fight and to stand firm in him. But it's only through trusting and depending on his strength and standing firm in our relationship with him that we're able to pick up and put on the armor that he has provided for us. So in Isaiah 59, God is depicted as a divine warrior. And it it says that he puts on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And this divine warrior is what provided the basis for the armor that Paul wrote about in Ephesians 6. Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote the book of Ephesians. And he saw the equipment that the Roman guards wore. And he, he noticed that God has also equipped his people with armor too. There are six pieces of, the, of God's armor. So there's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and the shoes of the gospel of peace. And those three pieces are ones that we're meant to put on and never take off. They're supposed to be on our person all the time. And then the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, those are the pieces that we pick up and we carry with us every single day into the battle. And so the armor that we've been given is essentially God's armor. Which if you think about that, that's really cool. It's how much strength we have to overcome and to fight against the enemy. And he's given us every piece and he empowers us to use them through the Holy Spirit and to fight in this battle. And so we're going to spend the rest of our time together today talking about the belt of truth. So Roman soldiers wore a wide leather belt on the outside of their tunics. And they did this for a couple different reasons. One, it was the foundation of their uniform. It protected their core, and it supported the other pieces of the armor. And the belt allowed them to move freely and quickly because they could tuck their tunics into their belt, and they could holster their weapons in the belt as well. And so it made them able to charge into battle uh, freely. Now, the belt of truth for us, God's truth, is our foundation. 
It's our core support, and it allows us to freely move in the battle as well. It is a crucial piece of our defensive armor because it guards our inmost being in the battle. It guards against the lies of the enemy and the deceptions that he tries to throw at us. And so just like the belt is the foundation of the armor, God's truth must be the foundation of our life. You know, 2,000 years ago, Pilate asked a question that we've all wondered from time to time. He said, what is truth? And, you know, defining truth today in our world is about as easy as nailing jelly to a wall, right? Because we're living in the time of relativism. And our world today says that you can define truth however you want to, and I can define truth however I want to. And my truth and your truth, they don't have to be the same. They don't even have to agree. And people cringe and they rebel against the idea of there being an absolute truth, right? Because if there is an absolute truth, then they have to align their lives with that truth. And people don't want to do that, right? But as Christ followers, we don't mess with relativism. We don't mess around in that area because we have an absolute truth, and that is God himself. God knows and understands all truth because he is truth. And absolute truth himself gets to define truth absolutely. And so God's word, his truth, gives us the definition of truth in two different ways. First, truth is a person, right? Truth is who God is and what he says it is which is best summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. And so remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? So truth is a person, but it's also, truth is also an understanding and a personal embrace of who God is and what he has done through Jesus Christ, and then living that truth out in your daily life. So God's truth found in his word whether in any form, whether stated, promised, or commanded, is what we as believers are to live by. And then, because that truth changes the foundation of our lives. You know, before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed for protection for his disciples to know and to be sanctified by the truth. He said in John 17, verses 13 through 17, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. You know, Jesus' prayer in John 17 is powerful. And Jesus knew that he was about to go to the cross. And he knew that the enemy was going to ramp up his attacks against the disciples. And he knew that the disciples needed to stand firm on the truth. They needed to be sanctified by the truth. And to be sanctified means to be set apart or to be made holy. And so as believers, we're sanctified by, through believing in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, but then also living that out, living out of our relationship with him. And living by God's truth sets us apart from the world, right? And it also makes us a target of the enemy. And we live differently when God's truth is our foundation, and Satan knows that when his truth is our foundation, that his lies can be exposed easily. 
and we've been because we've been given an absolute standard of truth to measure everything against and satan hates that you know one of the ways that satan attacks believers is by trying to get us to doubt god's truth and the, the passage that we read in second corinthians i love how the message version puts it it says we use our powerful god tools for smashing warped philosophies tearing down barriers erected against the truth of god fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building life of obedience into maturity. See, Satan loves to warp and to twist and to manipulate the truth of God, but God has given us the tools we need to be victorious over those lies. Right? He's given us his God tools, so to speak, to be victorious. And he uses people in our life and false teachers and information that we see in the world around us to sow misinformation about God. And we fight back by knowing the truth of God in Scripture. So if you want to wear the belt of truth, you first need to know truth and make God's truth the foundation of your life. So the belt of truth is our foundation, but it's also our core support. So back in 2019, Jake went through the police academy. And in order to graduate and to become an officer, he had to go through a pretty rigorous physical um, test. He had to run a mile and a half in a certain amount of time. He had to do so many sit-ups and push-ups and under a certain time limit. And after he made the decision to pursue God's calling and go into law enforcement, we went into training. And I had no issue running alongside of him, although he still leaves me in the dust every single time. And I really honestly didn't mind the push-ups, but I hate sit-ups. I hate doing any type of core work. It's just the worst. But our core is the group of muscles that protects our pelvis area and our spine, and it's really important. Every movement that you make requires the use of your morning. And so the, the core is so important, important because it affects everything, our posture, our balance. It keeps us standing. Our center of gravity is found in the core. And so the condition of our core has a big effect on our lives, right? And having a strong core is what Paul had in mind when he was thinking about the belt of truth. You know, the, Ro- the Roman soldier, his belt covered the entire stomach area. It supported the weight of the breastplate, so he didn't have to carry that on his own. And it also carried the sword. And a soldier without his belt was an easy target for the enemy. And Satan jumps at the chance to attack a weak core. You know, this year I've been reading through the Old Testament as part of a Bible reading plan. And as I was thinking of of scripture references of the consequences of having a weak core, I couldn't help but think about the Israelites. Right before Joshua died, he told the Israelites that they had to decide who they were going to serve. They needed to choose between serving worthless idols or serving the one true God. And when Joshua told them to decide, they responded by saying, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord and serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord because he is our God. And so while Joshua was alive, they served God. 
But if you flip not even four pages in your Bible over to Judges 2, we see that desire and that commitment to following God was pretty much gone. And Judges 2 says, Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned away from the ways in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. See, just because we know God, just because we've read, you know, parts of the Bible, doesn't mean that we've chosen it as our standard of living. The real test comes when the ideas and the philosophies of our culture swing in the opposite direction, and yet we still choose to stand firm on the unchanging standard of God and his truth. See, God had given his truth to the Israelites, and his desire was for each of them to orient their entire lives around him and his truth and living the way he wanted them to live. But they didn't. They, choose, they chose to live a different way. And because of that, they could not stand firm against the pull of the culture around them. They bowed down to nation's idols. They had no core support, because they were, and because of that, they were taken down time and time again. You know, one thing I love about the Israelites is that they're really relatable. And we're just like them, time and time again. We are just as susceptible to having a weak core. We're easily swayed by the world around us in the loudest voices. And that's why we need God's truth and his word to be ingrained and embedded deep within our core so that we can stand firm against the lies. But how do we do that? How do we strengthen our core? How do we allow God's truth to permeate and to sink deep within us? I think it all starts with honesty. It starts with honesty in your personal relationship with God first. See, Satan loves to attack our relationship with God. He is the father of lies, and he uses shame to keep us from being honest with God. And he knows that in order to put on the belt of truth and to strengthen our core, honesty in our relationship with him must come first. And David in Psalm 32 talked about this. He talked about the freedom that he, had, that he found in God when he was honest with him. He said, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away though my, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And he goes on to say in verse 7 that you are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. See, David experienced how honesty impacted his relationship with God. When he was silent, the enemy was able to use that sin, that guilt, that shame against him and keep him quiet. But when he confessed his sin to the Lord, the enemy was no longer able to use any of those things against him. He was able to step into the light, and in doing so, the chains of shame and guilt fell off. See, being truthful about who we are and our motives and our struggles and our longings and even the sins that we don't want anyone to know about, when we're honest about those things with God, it changes our relationship with him. We develop a deeper intimacy with him, and God's truth becomes our core support. But it can't become our core support if we're not willing to be truthful with him first. We cannot wear the belt of truth if we're not first truthful with our Father. You know, when Jake was in the academy, we worked out probably like six days a week. It was intense. We did cardio. We did strength training on different days. But we did core work every single day because I don't know if you knew this, but you can work your core 
every day. And in fact, it needs to be worked every day in order to remain strong. Those muscles have to be worked consistently. And the same is true for our relationship with God. Truthfulness in our relationship with God is not just a one-time thing. It's not like we admit our sins and our failures and the brokenness and all of those things and it covers us for life. No, we are sinners every single day. We need God every single moment of every single day. And so when we, when, and when we are truthful with him, our core is strengthened. But when we're not, our core is weakened. But when God's truth is at the core of our life, strength flows into all other areas. So the belt of truth is the foundation. It's our core support. And then finally, the belt equips us to run into battle. The belt sets us free to walk in freedom and to run fully equipped to go up against the enemy and to defend ourselves against his attacks. You know, it's hard, it's hard for me to talk about the armor of God without thinking about Jake's uniform. I think that's just a consequence of being a law enforcement wife. Um, but, you know, when Jake gets ready to go on duty every single, more, every single day, the last thing he puts on is his belt. And everything tucks into that belt. His chest protection, his shirt, his pants, everything is secured in that big belt. And his belt also has all of the tools that he needs in order to protect and serve the people of Shawnee Township. And when he straps that big belt on, everything is perfectly positioned for him to respond quickly and effectively in emergency situations. And this is going to sound a little weird, but Jake, he, he lives out scripture every day. He girds his loins daily when he prepares to go on duty. And Paul says that we're supposed to do the same. Ephesians 6, 14 tells us to buckle the belt of truth, but some translations say to gird your loins with truth. Now, the act of girding was gathering up the lengthy draping tunic and tucking it into the belt. So when you gird your loins or you tuck your tunic, you're preparing yourself to be able to move quickly and freely in any situation. Luke 12, 35 through 37 says, Gird your loins and light your lamps and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. So Jesus tells us in this passage to be ready for when he returns. And part of that, when, the in-between, is that we have to fight in the battle, right? And so we need the belt, of, the belt of truth in order to help us to respond. And we need to be able to tuck our tunics so that we can follow him. But Satan does not want that. He wants us to question God's truth. He wants us to loosen the buckle just a little bit. He wants doubt and deception to tempt us into taking off the belt because he wants us to trip on our tunics. He wants that loose fabric of our sinfulness, our shame, our brokenness, whatever it is, to freedom in Christ. But church, we are called to live differently. We are called to walk in freedom with Christ, but we can't do that without the belt of truth on. Because truth and freedom are linked together in the belt because they go hand in hand. Jesus says in John 8:31 and 32, to the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold my, my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So Jesus himself is the truth that sets us free, right? He frees us from sin and shame and all of the loose pieces of our tunics that are hanging and threatening to get in the way of us following him. And we've been given the gift of freedom in Christ, but that doesn't come through head knowledge of the truth. It doesn't come from just reading a devotional daily and going about our day. It's not just the truth that sets us free. It's living by the truth that sets us free. 
And truth can't set us free unless we're willing to orient our entire life around his truth and his word. And that means every thought, every feeling, every decision, every word we speak, every deed we do has to be held up and evaluated by God's truth. And I realize this is a radical way to live, but this is what we're called to. And so we've been given the belt of truth to tuck our tunics into and to run into battle. And the belt of truth allows us to walk in freedom, to push back the darkness and the world around us and fend off the lies of the enemy because we know God's truth and we live boldly by it. So here's kind of an example of what this looks like lived out. On Sunday evenings, I lead a Bible study for a group of friends. And our study has been pushing us to be vulnerable and to share the deep parts of ourselves with each other. And we've all been a little uncomfortable at times because, you know, we're going really deep and kind of exposing all of ourselves to each other. But we've been able to do it because when we're doing that, when we're meeting together, we are holding on to the truth of God. And specifically to the truth found in Romans 8, 1 through 2 that says, there is, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. So in our study on Sunday nights, we can share our sins. We can share our struggles and our pain with each other because we know that we are not condemned. We are set free and we are called to live freely so we can name those things. We can call them out and then we can live in freedom. And let me tell you, it is an amazing way to live. And we no longer have the fabric of loose hanging tunics keeping us from walking and living in freedom with Christ, with him and with each other. So we've been given the belt of truth to tuck our tunics into, to run into battle. The truth, living the truth, stops Satan in his tracks because we're not giving him a chance to attack our core. And we can fend off the lies of the enemy because we know God's truth, we claim it, and then we live by it. Truth sets us free when we unapologetically follow the truth that we discover in God and in his word. We're to walk in it. We're to abide in it. We're to order our, step, our steps and our decisions according to his truth. And when we do that, we disarm the enemy. Church, we have an absolute truth. We've been given truth. We have, we have the opportunity to put the belt of truth on, but it's up to you. You have to decide whether you're going to, turn, you're going to put the belt of truth on. Are you going to orient your life around Christ and his truth, or are you going to live a different way? The choice is yours but you have to decide to put it on this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you, Lord, that you have armed, that you've equipped us to go up against Satan and his lies, Lord. Lord, we know that you are so much bigger than him, that you are so much more powerful than him, Lord, and that you have given us everything we need. So God, I pray that as first church, that you would help us to rise up and to stand firm in your truth, Lord. When the culture is trying to pull us in so many different directions, Lord, and so many different ideals and philosophies that they're trying to get us to buy into, Lord, help us to stand firm in your truth, Father God. God, we have been given the the belt of truth. Help us to buckle it up so that we can fight against the enemy and we can stand firm in your victory. And pray all of these things in your heavenly name. Amen. Um, in just a moment, well, the praise team's already up here. <laughs> um, so the praise team's going to close out our service this morning. And they're going to introduce maybe a new song to you. You might have heard it before, but it's called Battle Belongs. And this song has just become kind of like an anthem in my life. Um, and it just reminds us that no matter 
what battle we're fighting, no matter what we're facing, no matter how hard the enemy is trying to get at us, that the battle belongs to God, that he fights for us, that he is victorious, and that we can stand in his victory. Stand and worship with us. Even if you don't know the melody, go ahead and just read these words. They're so powerful.
place to know today knowing that an almighty fortress goes before you that nothing can stand against his power and that he fights for you every single hour of every single day you may go in peace when I find out.